0: In our cattle industry, there's the show world and then what we like to call the real world, which is more the commercial ranch operations. So how does the show world have relevance when it comes to our cattle industry? As we bring to you our program from the second annual Cattlemen's Congress in Oklahoma City, I'm joined by ranchers Ty and Briley Miller as we discuss this topic of the show world versus the real world in cattle operations on this episode of the Working Ranch Radio Show. everyone, and we welcome you to another episode of the Working Ranch Radio Show. Justin Mills, your host, and we're glad to have you here with us as we are on the road. If our program sounds just a little bit different this time around, that's because we are in Oklahoma City for the second annual Cattlemen's Congress taking place. I want to thank Ty Miller Solutions for bringing down all of us here with Working Ranch Radio Show to be a part of this Cattlemen's Congress this year. The folks here at the Cattlemen's Congress putting everything together, boy, their hospitality has been great as well and we sure appreciate everything that they have done for us well if you listen to the intro of our program we're going to be talking about maybe the debate if you want to call it between the show world versus the commercial ranching world or what we're going to refer to somewhat as the as the real world i guess if you want to call it that's the way i've always heard it described and i know there's always been just a little bit of issues there does the show world have relevance to the commercial industry that's kind of the subject that we're going to be talking about today and as you heard in the opening, Ty and Briley Miller with Deep Creek Land and Livestock out of northeast Wyoming. They will be joining me on our as guests as well. Now, they themselves uh, do they do hit the road a little bit and get out and about with their family uh, at uh, shows across the country. In addition, I'm going to have Mark McCauley stopping by. He is the CEO of the Angus organization. We're going to be talking about that same subject with uh, with Mark. And I think it's a, we're going to have some good discussion about that. Looking forward to having both of these folks uh uh in our program here today to talk about this particular subject of course don't forget we also have our, our regulars uh the captain Tim will burn will be by in just a few moments with his edition of Tim's two cents and of course meteorologist Don day will be by as well to talk about the long-term weather we've had some pretty cold weather across many portions of the country what does it look like for the middle of January and as we head into the first part of February what's that looking like uh, for our weather across the country? But before we get too far, I want to introduce our next guest that is going to be joining us here on our program today, and that is the Secretary of Agriculture for the state of Oklahoma. Ms. Blaine Arthur is joining us now. And Secretary Arthur, thanks for joining us here today on the Working Ranch Radio Show.
1: Well, thanks for having me on.
0: Well I know I know you you're here in two capacities one is the Secretary of Agriculture and and this is a major agriculture event here in the state of Oklahoma but also I know you have kids showing as well and it's a big deal for them as well
1: I do so it's kind of fun to get to uh, mix the personal life with yeah. the professional life just a little bit uh, both of my kids. Um, Show And we've got a couple different breeds that are showing here. So we get to be over here through several days. But then certainly exciting for me from the Secretary of Ag position, Mm -hmm. uh, I get to talk to these people from all across the United States. Uh, We're so very glad they're here at the show, uh, but also get to talk to them about their operations and why these events are so important uh, to their business and growing their business over time.
0: You bet. And that's really, you know, that's really one of the purposes of these events is it's exposure. It's about it's about getting your cat in front of some other eyes that uh, you know out of out away from you a little bit and uh, as, as we've talked with several different folks i mean we've got we've got people all the way from the west coast to the east coast to the northern tier down to the southern part of the country and and really it's a way for them to get exposure to their their breeding program
1: Well, you know, there's no better opportunity if you're looking, if you're wanting to add females or add bulls or buy semen or embryos, I mean, the folks are here that have what you're looking for. And I think that's exciting thing. Some of these sales we've seen, I know there's some even going on today, uh, there are buyers there and there are quality genetics for them to purchase. And, you know, what other way could you have ever met all these folks Mm -hmm. in one place and get your eyes on the cattle? You know, you're not having to put miles on your pickup and drive around (laughs) everybody's place. So it's a very unique opportunity.
0: Let's get into some issues, uh, regarding livestock agriculture. I know, uh, the state of Oklahoma, uh, really encompasses a lot of agriculture that we see in other parts of the country. And I know you serve on the national board for the, uh, as you've said, you know, some of the states call them directors of agriculture, commissioners of agriculture. You're the Secretary of Agriculture, but all in all, there's a national board. You sit on that board. And and we look at some of the issues that you all are, are working on that affect us across the country. What are a couple of those issues that you think are, are are vital to livestock agriculture?
1: You know, I think certainly something we've been talking about for the last eighteen months and even more and the public has really seen this is uh, the processing sector, processing capacity access to the markets, pricing of those, um, lots of strong opinions yeah, on the issue. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't know that anybody has the exact right answer, but I think really what we see, the opportunity there is that we're now having that discussion kind of at all levels, you know, and that consumers um, have really stood up and said, we want to know who's producing our food, how it's being produced, where it's coming from, and engaging in that conversation. And certainly from a uh, uh, ag commissioner's level, it's saying, you know, we want to make sure that we're providing opportunity for these livestock producers, and what does that look like, and how can we help facilitate uh, different opportunities for them?
0: I know one of the conversations that we've had uh, is that COVID has really has has made some elements of that really come come alive. I guess probably uh, pushed it forward a little faster. Uh, than, than it maybe would have without that. And uh, that in itself uh, is, you know, it's not a lot of good things we can say about COVID, right. but 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 for people really wanting to get a real grasp of where their food comes from, it's probably done as much for that as anything.
1: You know, there's no question about that. I jokingly said I got to start working for the governor in January of 2019. And so we'd talk to different audiences and I, you know, jokingly would say, you know, I wish that we didn't have food for a couple of days yeah, because then people would really care about farmers and ranchers, right? then and wow, here here shows up a pandemic. And More
0: than a couple days. <laughs>
1: grocery store shelves are empty. But that's where I don't want, uh, for those of us in agriculture to lose that momentum, because it is much easier for me to have a conversation, for you to have a conversation, really anyone in production ag, because people remember walking into a grocery store and there being empty shelves. Yeah. And for most folks' lifetime, that's not something that they ever remembered before. So I think it's a chance for us to talk to the other 98%. It, that's not in production ag and say, hey, here's what we do. Here's why we do it. And, you know, engage in that conversation.
0: You talked a little bit about where, you know, people wanting to know where their food comes from and, and we're starting to see a little bit more um, farm to fork uh, or fork to farm. Excuse me. I'll get that right. Farm to fork <laughs> programs, uh, you know, and, and, and people looking at that. and Of course, that, that ties in a little bit to uh, capacity with our, our processing facilities. And I know that's a big issue as well.
1: You know, there is, and I I think that continues to grow, the farm-to-fork theme, the local theme, theme, and I think we will see that. But we've also got to remember that there's people at all different price levels and purchasing capacity, um, and we've got the safest, most affordable food supply in the world, right? Yeah. And the reason that is is because we've got these economies of scale that allow that product um, to get everywhere. So I think it's important for us. We need to support all sizes of agriculture yeah. because there's a place for all of that um, which i know is a unique dynamic for folks to think okay well why suddenly is local more expensive for me uh than something but you've yeah. got to kind of talk through the economics of that uh, but i think that we you know certainly from a government perspective need to continue to make sure we're addressing those issues that they see is it a labor issue is it a transportation yeah. issue how can we help facilitate those things?
0: And I know uh, labor has been a has been a big issue. I mean, when we talk about some of the issues that we've seen within the processing facilities, but it's just beyond, it's beyond that too. For I sure. mean, it's it's really widespread. I, I've done an interview with folks in the, in the, you know, in the uh, feedlot business and, and labor's a big deal there. That, that's an issue that from an agricultural standpoint that we have to f- figure out as well.
1: You know, we've got to figure out the answer to that. We've certainly dealt with that for a while now in yeah. ag because most ag jobs are outside, right? You know, they're cold in the winter and they're hot in the summertime. I'm Uh, but as we've seen some of these unique dynamics because of COVID, I mean, I think anywhere you go, you see a help wanted side, right? And so trying to find ways to uh, communicate uh, with our audience, uh, but then also making certain that we're providing appropriate skill sets specific to the processing sector, Mm -hmm. because that's a specific skill set that those folks need to have to work there. And it is hard work. But there's also, if students are trained in that area, I mean, as soon as they've got their degree or their certification, There's a job for them. And I think that's a great thing. Yeah.
0: You and I talked previously and, and one of the things that you brought up and, and I had, uh, you had talked about Oklahoma having its ability to kind of have a branded product, uh, within Oklahoma. And, and I know up in Wyoming, we've got some legislation that passed a year, a couple of years ago that allows folks to sell within the, within the state, uh, right. agricultural products. And that has really, uh, in light of what we've been talking about with the COVID situation, that has really come to the forefront a little bit more for other states uh, I, I think one of the things you had talked about too was you know getting getting everybody on board and then you know kind of the last one to the table and hard to get to the table is our own usda sometimes
1: for sure, you know I never thought I would learn so much about the processing sector. You yeah. know, uh, uh, non-exempt facilities, TA inspection, <laughs> federal inspection, state inspection—we've all kind of been immersed in that. But what it really comes down to is we've got to have FSIS, the part of USDA, really understand some of the challenges from because from a state perspective, we feel like if we're doing that inspection and it's same as or equal to, sure. then why can't that product you know travel across state lines? And mm-hmm. uh, we have been carrying that message to USDA, uh, the federal government doesn't move as quickly yeah. as we would like for them to sometimes, but we need some just reasonable, rational decision-making because depending, if you live on the border of your state and you're having yeah. product process somewhere and somebody's like, okay, I live 20 miles away, but I can't get it because I don't live in, you know, XYZ border, you know, that just doesn't yeah. make sense. Um, so I think there's a lot of opportunity there to fix some things uh, from a regulatory perspective that would make a big difference to beef producers
0: well and and i know just as you're talking about that in going through my mind is we're taking you know it's kind of the maybe jumping a little on the bandwagon here but we're taking cattle from foreign countries that are that probably have less stringent than our own state uh, uh inspection facilities and we can't even trade interstate
1: you know it's a it's a unique dynamic and and again there's no question food safety is a priority uh, for usda and i would say for the department of ag here in oklahoma it is too but to your point, when we look at this kind of patchwork of who's having to meet what standard, um, is there opportunity yeah. to adjust that and make it make more sense? And I think anyone from the ag sector or the beef industry, we just want things that make sense. Yeah. And we get frustrated when we're engaging with any regulatory agency and saying, okay, yeah. help us through that because we're having trouble with it making sense.
2: Yeah. One and
0: one's not equaling two here right. still. Uh, one another question in regards to some of these states that do have the ability to sell agricultural commodities within their own state borders. There's some states that, of course, that don't have that. And from the direct, from being on the national director side of things, uh, you know, what do you say to these folks that are living in these states? What do they need to do to try to progress that forward?
1: you know, I think it's so important for our ag producers, certainly on this issue, but any issue, um, you need to know who's representing you at the state level and who's representing you at the federal level, uh, because your voice makes a difference. um, And engaging with those local legislators, uh, you know, with your governor in your area, with your congressional representatives, uh, when they hear from constituents, they want to make things better, because the only reason those folks get there is because we vote for them, right? And so they need to be responsive to us. But I think having that, voice directly from an ag producer and i think that's one place that we are challenged sometimes you know my husband's a full-time beef producer yeah. he's busy working all the time right yeah. just like yeah. most cattle yeah. guys are any ag people it's easy are to
0: stop and go do that yes
1: and he's yeah. state capital yeah. right so or two certainly encourage people whatever your commodity group is you know if that's Farm Bureau, if that's Farmers Union, if that's the Cattlemen's Group or the Soybean. I mean, there is a trade group, too, that can represent your voice. But we've got to bring forward that conversation because I promise when people hear it within your state and know it's a priority and that discussion starts, you will see some really positive change happen over time.
0: You bet. Absolutely. Well, I'm pleased to have with the Secretary of Agriculture for the State of Oklahoma, Blaine Arthur, joining us here on our program Secretary, thank you for stopping by.
1: Great. Thanks for having me on.
0: And again, that was Secretary of Agriculture for the state of Oklahoma, Blaine Arthur, joining us here on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Right now, I would like to thank our sponsors of the Working Ranch Radio Show. You know, through the years, the American Simmental cattle have gained a reputation as the science breed and the American Simmental Association's Carcass Merit Program with their feed conversion data, calving ease research has really established Simmental as a beef industry leader that has combined growth and carcass value with some outstanding cow traits research that's backed by some of the most extensively documented genetics and largest multi-breed database in the industry, Genetics. Profit Through Science. Find out more at simmental.org. Well, it's time now to check in with the captain, publisher, and editor of Working Ranch Magazine for this week's edition of Tim's Two Cents.
3: Hey, Justin. Hey, everybody out there in Working Ranch Radio Land. Happy New Year. We got 2021 loaded up on the truck and she's gone to town. We'll see what 2022 brings here. I'm cautiously optimistic, a little bit apprehensive. Who wouldn't blame me? And one of the biggest news items we've got coming across our desk right out of the gate is $1 billion is being allocated by the Biden administration to help us climb out from underneath the cloud of the big four packers that we have found ourselves overshadowed by in the last 25 years. I'm all in favor of that. We'll see where it goes. It's supposed to go towards a smaller community position plants that will take some of the burden away from the big ones. And anytime we can shorten the ride for those fat cattle, I'm all for that. But I know that there's folks out there listening that have mixed feelings. Some of the comments and concerns we've heard so far is everything this administration does tanks or attempts. And secondly, uh, why would we want the federal government to fix a mess that they created in the first place? I understand that and I get it. Uh, we'll have to see where it goes. Justin and I are not the type of guys that go hard and fast into a herd and make a big mess. We like to sit back up on the hill and kind of watch what's going on down there, see what see what direction this thing's going. That's our job. We're going to do it. We're going to figure out what needs to be done here, what needs to be said. And if you got any questions or comments for Justin, he's going to let you know how you can get a hold of him. This is a big deal for us, and I expect a lot out of it. We don't get a chance like this very often, but again, I, I do have my apprehension just like everybody else. So folks, we'll see what happens. We'll keep you posted, we're watching. Keep the faith, this is Tim's Two Cents.
0: Yeah, you bet, Captain, and thanks for that. Uh, definitely, this is a big topic, folks, and we don't want to take it lightly. Like the captain said, we're going to sit and watch this just a little bit to kind of get a little bit more information about that, but we are following it. And like he said, if you want to drop us a comment or a line about that particular this particular subject, please feel free to send me an email at justin.workingranch at gmail.com, or you can also send me a text at 307-367. Three cows. We'll stay right here. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, Mark McCauley joins me, CEO of the American Angus Association, as we talk this very same subject with him on the show world versus the commercial ranching industry and the relevance and the tie between these two. Is there a relevance? Well, that is the main question. And Mark McCauley will be joining us for that as we are broadcasting our show from the Cattlemen's Congress in Oklahoma City. I'm your host, Justin Mills. We'll be back right here on Rural Radio, Channel One Forty Seven. Sirius XM. It's a competitive calf market and buyers want calves that will perform, period. And a proven solution is Simmental. In fact, data from the Tri-County Steer Carcass fraternity from 2002 through 2018 on nearly 60,000 head of calves revealed that Simmental sired calves represented the highest carcass valued sire group over English and other continental breed groups. And the sire group that was the second highest carcass value was Sim Angus sire. So the proof's right there. For low risk, high potential calves with earning potential, be confident that Sim Genetics will give you more per head, period. Stand strong, Simmental. Welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. Justin Mills here as we're broadcasting our program from the Ty Miller Solutions booth in bar number seven at the Cattlemen's Congress in Oklahoma City. And I'm pleased to have our next guest, Mr. Mark McCauley, CEO of the American Angus Association. Mark, thanks for joining us here today.
2: You bud, Great to be here.
0: Mark, I'm glad to have you here on our program. And later on, we're going to be talking in our show uh, with a couple, uh, Ty and Riley Miller, uh, that are, are ranchers, but also, uh, you know, in this world of the show world. And, and we're going to be talking about how does this show world correlate with what we're going to call the real world? And I know, uh, you know, for you, um, you see both sides of it as well. And how have these two coincided in, in the last few, you know, uh, since we've really seen the uptick in a lot of these shows getting going across the country? Sure.
2: Yeah, you bet. And I think it's a question we always ask ourselves as an association putting these shows together, you know, what's their relevance to the bigger beef industry? And I guess the thing I think about first is our youth development i mean i i would tell you i'm I'm a product of these youth show programs i came up uh showing cattle a small outfit that we we showed cattle and it was it was my on-ramp as i would say to the bigger beef industry it opened my eyes to uh yeah you know the show ring and i think we can sit out here and nitpick when we look and you know okay that that heifer's uh her her neck's uh you know a quarter inch longer than that heifer in the real world doesn't make any difference but but I think there's a whole bunch of life skills that we, that we teach our young people, uh, through these, through the show ring, through these youth programs that, that really I would tell you today are a big, big piece of, of why we do these cattle uh, exhibitions. I mean, the days of the, the open shows where breeders would bring out their strings of cattle, other breeders would come around to kind of compare genetics and see, uh, see how genetics are working in different outfits. Not that that doesn't happen and there's, a, there's still uh, importance to that, but, we're far more data driven today in our, in our decisions around genetic selection on the seed stock world. And so I'd tell you probably one of the, the, the big, big drivers and, and, and values of what we're doing is, 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 is tied back to our kids, back to our youth development programs. And, you know, and there's still an element too, of, of getting together. I mean, we're still in the people business, right. And this is an excuse for us to get together and, (laughs) and, uh, and socialize and, and, uh, come together over love of cattle. You bet.
0: I, you know, um, I I think sometimes the the show world has been some trendsetters in the industry that we've seen, uh, the extremes. And I think that's what's kind of come back to the, to the ranchers, you know, something like myself, more of the commercial side of things, just saying, boy, we just, we can't follow those extremes. And yet, uh, we're starting to maybe see a little bit of that moderate. I feel like in the last several years in these cattle industry and the cattle show world, uh, we've seen these cattle kind of moderate back to a little bit more of what we're seeing on the ranches, maybe not identical. And I'm not going to claim that they're identical yep. but a little bit more to what we're seeing on a commercial ranch
2: no oh, i think you're spot on I, I do i think the that gap maybe between the, the and, and i'll set the set aside the hair and some of that yeah. stuff that we have to do but i'd say that gap maybe between the type of cattle uh that we're selecting out in the show ring and the type of cattle that can actually go be functional yeah. in the real world, as you say. Uh, I, would like to think that gap is narrowed. And, uh, you know, and we're, we're on, on the Angus side. We're doing some things, uh, incorporating the data, uh, more of the genetic evaluation, more of the EPDs. Uh, you know, I personally believe we can continue to close that gap a little bit. That's not to say that these, you know, cattle with all the good uh, genetic uh, prediction tools, EPDs, they can't, they can be good looking cattle too, you yeah, know, and, yeah. and, and we can start kind of merging those worlds, maybe even a little bit more than we do today.
0: You bet. Well, let's take a break here. When we come back, we're going to continue on with Mark McCauley, CEO of the American Angus Association from the Cattlemen's Congress here in Oklahoma City. And we talk about uh, we're headed down the road uh, the next couple of months being pretty busy with bull sale season. We're going to talk with Mark more about that when we come back. You're listening to the Working Ranch Radio Show on Rural Radio, Channel 147, Sirius XM. cattle producers, here's a way to put more dollars in your pocket. Put the AmiFirm advantage found in all Gain Smart mineral to work in your cow herd. AmiFirm is the industry leader in increasing fiber digestion. In fact, research shows putting AmiFirm to work increases forage utilization by 10%, reducing overall forage costs and allowing you to graze more animals per acre. That's a big time return on your investment. To find which Gain Smart mineral formula is right for your heard, visit gamesmart.com. Welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. I'm your host, Justin Mills. We're glad to have you with us as we are broadcasting our program from Oklahoma City in the Cattlemen's Congress. This is the second year for this event, broadcasting out of the Time Miller Solutions booth. Appreciate their hospitality and having Working Ranch Radio Show down here. Mark McCauley, CEO of the American Angus Association, continues with me now. And Mark, uh, one of the things uh, as we find ourselves here starting out 2022 is we're looking right down the barrel at bull sale season and we're coming up upon us and and i think uh for producers that are out there getting kind of looking around at things uh beginning to you know start to get catalogs in the in the mailbox and things like that uh some things that they could be doing to prep for putting themselves in a position to buy the genetics they need to buy to improve their cattle
2: yeah no it is it's an awfully important time and a lot of very important decisions are going to be made you know when you think about the the tail on those decisions and how many years uh, that that bull decision you make to turn out with your cows how many years uh assuming you're going to keep some heifers back you know how many years you're going to be dealing with some of those decisions good or bad right, right. so yeah. no you're right it's important it's important time and i tell people you know in my mind it's a it's probably a really important time to sit down and say what what do i need yeah. right what are what are my objectives what am i What am I, where am I doing pretty good? Maybe where can I get better? Uh, what do I see coming down the pipeline in terms of maybe changes on the market that, uh, that would require me to maybe adjust my genetics just a little bit to make sure I'm in good position four or five, six years down the road. And of course, no one has a crystal ball, yeah. you know. But uh, it really, probably taking a little bit of inventory around, you know, kind of, kind of what my real breeding objectives are. That's maybe what at times one of the bigger mistakes I tend to see is, yeah. you know, we're making we're making bull decisions maybe without clearly defining what it is we need that bull to go do and yeah. and uh, improve upon or fix or or uh accentuate in our in our herd
0: yeah and and there's there's starting to be some more tools out there that if 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 guys want to do it uh from the genomic side of things where they can get a baseline understanding of where their cattle are at because uh and I, and I realize when you got a herd of cattle or running age cattle they might be uh you know the genetics have changed throughout the time of that run and age herd but at the same time there's some genetic tools that are starting to come down now that. That are giving guys a pretty good idea then where their cattle are at how they can match these bulls up
2: too no absolutely it's a good baseline you know you realize most guys sell at weaning and they don't know kind of what those calves have done after they uh after they leave their outfit and you know there's some tools now we have a program called angus link where you can get a a genetic merit scorecard on your uh Mm -hmm. on those set of feeder cattle and it's based off if you're using registered angus bulls we can help you you know put a put a scorecard on those calves to kind of help describe where they are and and maybe you can use that in your marketing if the if the cattle have some some scores you're proud to put out there and and maybe you get some scores back you're not quite as excited about well there's your benchmark there's uh there's your benchmark to work from and and uh kind of point out some places where you can get a little bit better you bet
0: mark mccauley is my guest here today we are at the cattleman's congress i want to thank you for joining us here as uh as this is year two for this show down here i know uh it's the national rov show and so there's a lot of activities going along with it in conjunction with angus and you're down here on behalf of the angus association but uh, uh really the a lot of growth in this show here in the last year
2: Well, it has you know and of course last year we kind of know the story this yeah. thing was pulled together in a pretty short time window and <laughs> yeah. uh when the national western had to cancel because of covid and, and they did a fantastic job then of course had a little more time to plan this year yeah. and and uh and they pulled together again another fantastic event uh just so much support here in the state of oklahoma for this got to meet with the governor and 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 some of their leadership here yesterday and i mean they have a ton of support the team here has been fantastic so they've been great hosts we've been uh it's been fantastic to have a, a venue to come for our breeders and members we've had some sales uh We've had uh, three sales so far. We've got another sale coming yet uh, today. Our national bull sale and the sales have been tremendous. Uh, yeah. Demand's been incredible for different types of cattle, different genetic packages, different breeding philosophies behind those cattle. Demand's been super strong.
0: You bet. And uh, a lot of optimism in the market right now. I mean, we're definitely not the highs that we saw several years ago, but we feel that you feel there's a little optimism. You know, there's been uh, the conversations that I've had with folks is, as much as COVID has been a real pain for yep. our economy in general. Uh, there's been some things for the beef industry that's been really extremely good. And that's putting, you know, people being at home, having to having to cook their own deal and then and then finding out that, uh, you know, really understanding the concept of what good, good food, good beef it comes from, where it comes from and, and wanting to be a part of that.
2: Oh, you bet. And I think we've tested demand in a pretty big way. And I think we've shown that, you know, you put a high quality product out in front of consumer and they're willing to 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 pay for it yeah. yeah and they're willing to use their hard-earned dollars and as long as we deliver and, and give them a great eating experience yeah. uh, uh they keep coming back and i think that's what we've seen you know food service got uh got bounced around pretty hard because yeah. of COVID and all the restrictions and such but i know on the certified angus beef on our branded product uh you know we had the second best year in the history of the program uh you know again another year over a billion pounds sold and and so much of that was uh you know we had retail our grocery stores during covid had picked up a lot of that. that 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 demand shifted and now last year we've we've seen food service recover and 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 that retail demand stayed in place yeah. so it's yeah. no i think there's a ton yeah. of optimism um you know we're going to have to we're going to have to watch our costs i mean we all know what we're dealing with from an inflation standpoint so we can't can't just look at that that top side of what the prices are we're going to have to be really cost conscious and and try to drive uh, drive some of that out and make sure we've got enough margin in this business. But um, the, the the demand side's looking really strong.
0: You bet. It is. Again, Mark McCauley, CEO for the American Angus Association, my guest today. Mark, I want to thank you for joining us here on the Working Ranch Radio Show
2: pleasure to be on anytime you do a great job thank right. you appreciate it
0: thank you Well, stay with us coming up next ty and briley miller step in and join us as we are coming to you from the Cattlemen's congress in oklahoma city as we continue our conversation about the relevance of the show world to the commercial ranching industry we're going to talk more about it with them and the benefits they see as a family that puts themselves out on the road going to these cattle shows we're going to talk about it from their perspective when we come back On the Working Ranch Radio Show here on Rural Radio Channel 147 Sirius XM. Animal health is key to your business, so how do you track cattle health treatments? Well, stop relying on pen and paper or complicated programs. Performance Beef helps you record processing data, enter costs, and track animal health history all in real time at the shoot. The mobile app also makes it easy to log pasture and pen treatments on the go. Your health data is integrated with feed and financial information in one easy-to-use platform. Accessible from your computer, smartphone, or tablet. Find Performance Beef online to request a demo. And we welcome you back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. Justin Mills here. And if you're just joining us, our program this week coming to you from the second annual Cattlemen's Congress here in Oklahoma City. As we're broadcasting out of the Pin Show area and i thought it would be only apropos that we have a discussion or or bring up a topic that uh, might be a little sensitive for some in in the fact that i find myself down here in oklahoma city at the cattleman's congress it's a cattle show yes and with that in mind is that discussion that comes up is what does that show world have to do with the real world and so joining me on our discussion today is ty and briley miller and guys i want to thank you for joining us here on our program because I know there's there's two sides to this. And and when we look at the cattle that go into the show ring versus the cattle that are uh, in uh, the commercial guys have out on their on their places, two different types of cattle. And we're going to acknowledge that. But at the same time, there has been elements of this show world. It has impacted the commercial industry.
4: Oh,
5: very much so. It has, you know, here we are amongst cattlemen in Oklahoma City in the pin shows, you know, but you can walk right across the aisle over here and get into the show cattle. You know, and I think it's still important that, you know, here we are, we're looking at these cattle. It's still about functionality. It's about practicality. You know, it's about good livestock, good stewardship of the livestock, you know, and getting those cattle where they need to be.
0: And we definitely see that there's, you know, there's a different, some different focuses that, you know, a commercial guy might have versus, versus those. But, but the competition that you see here that has driven the industry and and you might say well that cow isn't functional to in a commercial setting but at the same time there's been competition that has driven our industry and as i said yesterday and i've said in some other interviews the worst cows today are probably better than some of the better cows were in 1950 and so you know briley to you on on this question i mean this industry the show side of things has really pushed the industry forward, has been one of those proponents.
6: Just like you said, the competition in the show industry is a driving force, whether it is to raise bulls that do well on those shows, but those bulls still need to go out and breed, whether they're breeding in the pasture or you're selling semen on those bulls. And, Commercial cattlemen, whether they're just purchasing bulls and covering cows that way, or if they're purchasing um, semen and AI in those cattle, still have the ability to reach out and get those genetics. With the ability to flush donors and have the ability to get their hands on embryos and those things, I think all of those things are a driving force in making cattle better. And I think those commercial guys that are utilizing those things are the ones that are probably being real productive and being real competitive in their own right. Mm -hmm. But I agree with you that the competition is driven here in the show world, but it's a driving force for those commercial guys as well.
0: Yeah, there's no question. Go ahead, Ty.
5: You know, the point that I would like to put in there is, you know, when we get in the show world, we're nitpicking these cattle to the extreme of the very, very small things that differentiate them from the other cattle. Mm-hmm. You know, in the commercial world, we can do a lot of that same stuff and, you know, teaching these kids and these guys that are evaluating these cattle, you know, to <clears throat> accept the cattle for what they are, but keep the cattle right.
0: Mm-hmm numbers uh epds uh you know they've been around for a while definitely it's a it's a bigger player now now we start to add in genomics into some of this it's and the technology in our industry continues to to push this industry forward that is the same whether we're in the show side of things or whether we're in the commercial we're really starting to see these guys having to understand some of the new technology that's coming down
5: you know it seems like a lot of the fads in the cattle industry a lot of them seem to start in the show world Mm-hmm. You know, those are the fads, and we go in here and we evaluate these large groups of cattle in a place here, like here in Oklahoma City. You know, evaluating those cattle and finding the right pieces and the right parts, that's a place that you can go in there and you can look at those cattle, and you can decide what does or doesn't work in your operation at home, you know. Cattle are different in Missouri than they are in Wyoming, um, elevation versus low elevation. Mm-hmm. But being able to put that with a set of EPDs like you can in these pin shows, can really bring you the best of both worlds.
0: You bet. I, uh, you know, the the thing that I I think from the commercial side sometimes is, uh, you know, there's a lot of guys they go to bull sales and they and they're looking at these EPDs and they see these numbers, but at the same time, they're not maybe real confident on what their cattle their their cow side of things. There's two sides to this to this raising a calf, and we put a lot of, awful lot of focus on these bulls, but at the same time, you know, the this cow deal and these replacements that are coming down. Um, you know that's that's a side of this whole deal that really has some focus that you know we can see some of this starting to happen through this industry. I'm well, a firm believer
5: that the maternal and your genetics is sixty percent of it, maybe as high as seventy five percent because you have the environment of the cow, you have the environment of the cow that has to live there all year. You know, is she easy flesh and is she easy milk? Is she an efficient animal? Well, efficiency is a big thing.
2: Mm-hmm.
4: So
5: you take those environmental factors, and yeah, you made her to a bull. But the bull doesn't have to carry the cow. Yeah. It doesn't have to milk the milk in. go yep. have to watch production and be productive. So I think it's very, very important that you study the maternal ends of those
0: When we talk about this industry and the, and the two separations between, you know, our show world and then and then our commercial ranchers out there, and I know there's guys listening probably thinking, oh, you know, I just don't know. I don't buy into some of this kind of stuff. Uh, I feel we've, we've done a good job here talking about, the influence that they've had in there and, and, and vice versa. I think the commercial industry, um, I feel in some ways has also influenced the show world to know that there's gotta be, as you were saying a little bit ago, there's gotta be functionality in these cattle.
6: Absolutely. Um, Justin, when you see whether they're walking across the show ring or rock, walking across the pasture, those good cattle are going to float to the top. And yes, we see those in the show ring, but it's just the same thing. If you're a commercial cattleman and you're looking to um, make your cow herd better, you're going to evaluate those girls every day. You're going to evaluate them in the spring when they have babies. You're going to evaluate them in the fall, whether they're bred, whether they're not bred. Did they raise a good calf? Did they not raise a good calf? Yeah. So to me, there's a real sim. That's real similar than what we're doing in the show ring. You're evaluating those. Mm -hmm. Um, And maybe it's teaching, you know, the next generation how to evaluate, bringing those kids in and showing them how to show, um, you know, these guys are also, you know, trying to produce the best. We talked about it being competitive. So in turn, you're trying to produce as a commercial cattleman, you're trying to produce the best animal you can because you want yours to bring more than your neighbors. You want yours to bring more than the guy that lives 200 miles away Mm -hmm. because we're all trying to make a living. We're all trying to make a buck and make it work. And those cattle have to be better because Mm -hmm. we want to drive somebody else. come buy our stock Mm -hmm. so there's competition in that right as well
0: well let's take a break here when we come back we're going to continue our conversation with ty and briley miller where we've been talking about uh, the difference between the show world and the the real world we call it the commercial producers and and i know uh, i'm more in the boat of being the commercial producer side of things and and so uh, from that perspective we kind of wonder what is the purpose of this show world we've been kind of talking about that on our program today when we come back though we're going to hit another side of this industry when we talk about uh, the show world it's an element that ty and briley have felt has been important from there for their family and you're going to hear about it when we come back you're listening to the working ranch radio on rural radio channel 147 sirius xm
5: More pounds, more calves, more profit. Studies show Hereford Genetics increased net profit by $51 per cow per year. That's $20,000 in additional revenue for a typical 400-cow outfit. And calves sired by Hereford bulls continue to add value through the chain. A documented $30 per head in feedlot profitability. That's real money and real results. Get more ka Come home to Hereford at hereford.org.
0: Welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. Justin Mills here broadcasting from the Cattlemen's Congress in Oklahoma City. We're glad to be down here taking this all in as we just wrap up week one, getting ready to head into week two. But if you just joined us uh, in the previous segment, we were talking with Ty and Briley Miller about the show world versus the real world, the commercial cow-calf side of things that I know a lot of folks, I know that's the world that I'm more familiar with is the commercial side, but we've been talking about that show world relevance uh, to the to the commercial industry. But before we get any further into that, I kind of feel bad, guys, because we, well, I introduced you at the, at the last segment, but I really didn't talk much about where you guys are from and I know you guys are from Northeast Wyoming and, and uh, ranch there. You have your operation there, but also, Ty, I know you have your marketing business, Ty Miller Solutions, uh, that uh, hosted Working Ranch Radio Show to be down here, and I appreciate that. Let's get back to the subject at hand. In the previous segment, we were talking about the relevance of the show world and how does that fit in, or is there any relevance to the what we're going to call the real world? But let's get to another side of things, and I know it's something that's been really important to you, And we've talked about it kind of offhand as well. And that is, how do we get the next generation somewhat involved or have an interest in agriculture? And for you all as a family, uh, this has been an element and an avenue in which you can achieve that and get your kids involved in agriculture.
5: You know, it's so important. We see these ranches and farms today and, you know, we're losing our younger generation. Those kids are going off to college and not coming back to the farm and ranch. And we have to have those that next generation And next generation to keep this thing moving forward. You know, by engaging these kids in livestock shows and giving these kids an identity that is an agricultural-based identity, Mm -hmm. kids are going to find an identity one way or another. Let's do everything we can do to make that a positive identity. Mm -hmm. You know, get those kids involved in 4-H and FFA. You know, give them a livestock project. Let them learn about cattle. Let them learn structure, you know, functionality. And one way to do that is through the show world. And I know there's a lot of times that people talk about the disconnect between show cattle and commercial or real-world cattle. Yeah. And you know what? Let's use those show cattle to get those kids engaged, to get those families engaged back in agriculture. You know, it's a great family time together, whether, you know, I've got my kids on the wash rack with me, or I got my kids on a blower with me, or we're here at the stock show. You know, I'm being able to spend time with my kids. And spend time with a lot of kids that we've helped over the years. You know, there's a girl here helping us that started with us, what, Briley, seven, eight years ago? Yes. You know, we still know these kids. We still talk to these kids. She's here helping us, you know. And now seeing her transition into their own livestock operation, Mm -hmm. you know, it makes you feel good. You realize that that's a way to keep these kids in agriculture.
0: No, several years ago, when I was at the Nile, uh, we had a merit heifer program, and a great program. One of the things that that program did is it, you know it put heifers. We had donors that provided heifers to to kids, and and one of the things that I was I come out of a commercial industry myself, and so I was a proponent of that program. And those kids bringing those heifers back to the Nile and showing their and and I realized that some of these kids were just ranch kids that probably never really were around that industry much. But I I always was a proponent of it for this reason, and that is, is that we have to learn to market our our whatever we do, whether it's your marketing yourself or you're marketing your animals. But that's there's an element of this show industry that that's that's if there's anything kids are are, are going to learn, and it doesn't matter if you're in the commercial industry or not, you need to know how to market your livestock, and and that's one of the things I think these kids are understanding.
5: You know they are, and that's one thing you know in in our aspect of the industry and the marketing that we do. You know, taking these kids along and letting them experience something like this, you know, see the marketing end of it, because it is something that they can truly take home. It's something that they're going to use for the rest of their life, a lifelong skill, that marketing and being able to engage people.
0: You bet. All right. Well. Ty, Briley Miller, my guest here today on the Working Ranch Radio Show. I want to thank you guys for hosting me down here at the Cattleman's Congress as it's been kind of a pretty interesting week for both of us. It's something yeah, it's new been... new for both of us to do this down here at the Cattleman's Congress as this show is coming to you from the Ty Miller Bo- uh, Solutions booth uh, in Oklahoma City. I want to thank you guys for joining us here.
5: You know, Justin, thank you and thanks for all of you're done and being able to reach us out to a better audience, you know, and hopefully engage some more of those agricultural type of people.
0: You bet. We'll stay with us. when we come back we're going to continue we've seen some cold temperatures across the country and meteorologist don day is up next as we talk long-term weather for the middle of the month and into the end of january we'll be back with more on the working ranch radio show Welcome back to the Working Ranch Radio Show. Justin Mills here as we head into our final segment on our program here today. And joining us now, as he always does with a look at our long-term weather, is meteorologist Don Day. And Don, thanks for joining us as uh, I am broadcasting this program today from the Cattlemen's Congress down here in Oklahoma City. And I know earlier in the week for folks really all across the country, we, we saw some pretty significant cold temperatures relative to average for their particular area. But we've seen the weather here lately, a lot of ups, a lot of downs. Are we gonna start to see our weather moderate as we head into the middle of January?
4: Well, we are gonna still have some ups and downs, but it looks like there's more downs than ups. You know, one thing that uh, we had talked about up through and before Christmas time was is that there there were some signs that uh, there was going to be a period to this winter which could get pretty cold for a large part of the United States and that looks like that's really coming to fruition. Uh, we will have some moderation uh, you know, over the next 5 to 7 days. Many areas of the central and western United States will get a little bit of a warm up, but uh, we are likely going to the middle and the end of January with a real opportunity for some pretty cold air for a lot of the central and eastern areas of the United States with the heart of the cold probably into the northern plains parts of the central plains back up to the continental divide of the Rockies now it's a little bit of good news and bad news Um, these systems now do have the potential to maybe bring some needed precipitation to some areas and want to hit on some of the winter wheat country areas of eastern colorado parts of kansas oklahoma into parts of texas Uh, these cold shots coming in uh, towards the middle of the month might be able to produce some snow cover some needed precipitation in some of those areas but uh, we are expecting the middle to the end of january to be pretty cold for a large part of the nation
0: so, Don, it sounds like the weather that you see happening across the country for the next couple of weeks and into February pretty much on target with what we had talked about last fall and that as we begin to break out of the La Nina that we see hitting for through us for this winter, that we would begin to see some of these significant weather taking place in January and February.
4: And that's exactly what's happening. In fact, there are quite a few similarities uh, to what we see evolving in the, in the middle of January and February to a year ago. You know, a year ago at this time, we were well in the throes of La Nina, just like we are right now. But we did see some slight weakening of La Nina into February and March and April of last year. And you know what? We're seeing that trend again. I know, So sometimes weather patterns repeat themselves. So with this colder weather we see coming in the middle to the end of January and into February, is somewhat analogous to what happened a year ago. Uh, Now I'm not predicting another huge Arctic outbreak deep into the heart of Texas again like last year, but it's something that's on the table in terms of these cold penetrations that happen midwinter when you're in a La Nina pattern. So it makes sense from what we're seeing in our long range data and what we had last year and connecting that with the current La Nina.
0: Okay. Don, one final question before we go today and that is what are we seeing with the water temperatures in the pacific for this la nina and is it coincide are we kind of on track with what's expected uh with these waters warming up a bit and starting to maybe project to us a little bit better moisture year for 2022.
4: well we're we're, we're encouraged by what we're seeing out in the in the sub- Central Pacific with the sea surface temperatures appearing to have reached their peak of coldness. Um, over the last couple of weeks, we have really seen those sea surface temperatures get colder between South America and Australia. However, there's starting to be a trend now of them easing a little bit. And some of our new long-range modeling sea surface temperatures in the Pacific show a gradual warming and weakening of La Nina, especially between February and May. And if that continues, that definitely is a good signal for the central and western United States to have, let's say, a more productive spring and summer with precipitation as compared to a year ago.
0: All right. Well, that's a good note to end on here. Don, thanks for joining us here on the Working Ranch Radio Show. Thanks for having me. And again, that's meteorologist Don Day with a look at our long-term weather. By the way, his daily video podcast, you can catch that as it kicks out every Monday through Friday morning. Uh, you know, the nice thing about that video podcast that uh, not only you get to hear what he has to say about the forecast for weather across the country, but also to see the video component to that it really gives you a good idea of what we're going to be experiencing here for for weather and uh, you can find that on his website at dayweather.com and I appreciate Don being a part of Working Ranch Radio it's been a great addition a great component as we all know in the agricultural industry weather is a big deal and that's uh, we really appreciate having Don be a part of our program. I'd like to thank also our other guests for joining us on our program here today Mark McCauley CEO of the American Angus Association Association Association. Also, a thank you to Ty and Briley Miller with Deep Creek Land and Livestock as we talk about this subject of, you know, how does the show world fit into the the commercial industry? Some good discussion that we had here today on that. Also, I do want to thank Ty Miller Solutions for hosting Working Ranch Radio Show down here in the Cattlemen's Congress uh, barn number seven as we've been in right here in the middle of the of the pen Show area and we've been doing a lot of different programs throughout the course of the week on Cattlemen's Congress Facebook page if you want to go take a look at those you sure can there's still another week going on down here in Oklahoma City and so there's still a lot to take in if you uh, can get down into here there's a lot going on with the 2022 Cattlemen's Congress also I want to thank Secretary of Agriculture for the State of Oklahoma Miss Blaine Arthur for joining us on our program as well. Uh, She's uh, born and raised uh, in in agriculture, uh, and so I sure appreciate her being a part of our program as well. Well, the Working Ranch Radio Show is a production of Working Ranch Magazine, and speaking of that, if you do not have your subscription to Working Ranch Magazine, there's a simple way to do that. Go to workingranchmag.com. You can get signed up for your next subscription. By the way, you know, we've been talking a lot on this program about we're just kind of getting ready to head down into the area of uh, time, frame of the year for a lot of bull sales well i'll tell you there's one place you can turn to to get a pretty good listing of a lot of the major bull sales that will be taking place across the country and that is through the working ranch magazine so take a look also go to their website again if you want to workingranchmag.com you can take a look there and get signed up for the next edition of working ranch magazine that's coming out anytime well if you'd like to get a hold of me you can do it by calling or texting the studio right here at 307 three six three cows or you can send me an email at justin.workingranch at gmail.com you know we had a program here as we wrapped up the end of 2021 with whit hibbert as we were talking about uh, low stress cattle management had a lot of great response from folks wanting us to go a little bit more into that some different sides of that particular subject it's a subject that i know a lot of has a lot of interest out there right now so we will be seeing what we can do in regards to that as i am on the road here in oklahoma City. Also be on the road towards the end of the month as we will be headed down to Houston. All of us with Working Ranch Magazine, Working Ranch Radio will be headed down to Houston for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association's National Conference. It will be taking place down there. We look forward to seeing a lot of folks down there. Be sure to join us if you can down there in Houston for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association's National Convention. Well, we thank you for joining us right here on the Working Ranch Radio. We are here every Saturday and Sunday at 12 noon Eastern on Rural Radio channel 147 sirius xm or you can find us on major or pretty much any podcast provider out there if you search under working ranch radio show you will find us and you can listen to our podcast today's episode has been episode 53 and we sure appreciate you joining us i'm your host justin mills and until next time keep your chin down and your mind in the middle so long